Section 10 of Miss Priscilla Hunter and My Daughter Susan by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My Daughter Susan, Chapter 5 A Party Against a Party. During the time that we were taking our lunch, which, I ought to say in passing, we took on Lincoln Street, I was revolving in my mind some of Miss Susan's last statements, and wondering just what they meant. At last, my thoughts shaped themselves into question. Why, aren't the temperance people, as a rule, doing about as much as they can to help along the cause? At least, so far as they have brains to see what helps it. Oh, I don't know. One hates to think that all the trouble is due to lack of brains. I believe that man was right, whoever he was, who said that half the people in the world would rather be called wicked than weak. But you don't know how absurd some things are. The arguments and excuses advanced by some who would like to appear consistent would perfectly amaze you. Girls are worse than boys. I think boys like to keep a show of common sense on their side when they talk, but it seems to make no difference with girls. Some of us tried to have them show that Mr. McIntosh of the new distillery, you know, that he must get into respectable business if he wanted to keep respectable company. And one of our young misses said, It isn't as if he sold liquor by the glass, you know. His business is strictly wholesale. He never sells less than a barrel full. What do you think of that for an argument in favor of a man's position? Last winter, two or three young ladies in society would not sign our total abstinence pledge because they couldn't allow their names to appear in such a conspicuous place. And those very ladies were named in the city papers a few weeks before on the occasion of their being at a fancy dress party. Their very costumes, down to minute points, were described. Isn't that consistency? Another girl wouldn't sign because she did not approve of making such solemn promises. She said so anyway, but she was married this fall, and it seemed to me that the promises she made were quite as solemn as those which the temperance pledge requires. Then there is another thing that tries my patience wonderfully. For the sake of the cause, I wish it might become fashionable to attend temperance meetings. It is absolutely a disgrace to our city that we cannot get a respectable audience of church-going people out to our temperance meetings. The most trivial excuses are made, ludicrous if they were not sad. Nothing new can be said about temperance, one of our businessmen said to me last week. Don't see any use in having meetings. Now, so far as that argument proves anything, it proves too much. Do you think that there is anything very new to be said about the way of salvation? Others find fault about the speakers. Some of them are so dull, and some of them make grammatical errors, and some of them speak too long. Oh, nonsense! Think of Christian people talking in that way. Men don't act so about politics. As if the object in having temperance meetings was to please the intellect or cultivate the aesthetic. To be sure, one would rather have good speakers than poor ones, and I think we ought to try for the best talent there is. But why can't Christian people, at least, see that they have no right to consult their inclinations? That the object is to save souls and bodies, and that in every conceivable place 
and at every possible time, when an opportunity is offered, it is their duty to put themselves where they will be sure to be counted on the right side. We were on the street again by this time, and my voluble friend interrupted herself to say, This is Mr. Holland's place of business. I must see him a minute. He was a young man of different stamp from any whom we had seen that day, and Miss Susan's manner of enlisting him was noticeably different from that which she had used with the others. Mr. Holland, will you help us? This was her first earnest sentence. It was just the sort of sentence to interest him. Then she told of the evening's plans, and of the efforts underway to control them. We need your help, she said earnestly. Some of those young men, you know, have little self-control. They need to be led. Will you help to lead them in the right direction? I will try, he answered her, with flushed face and firmly set mouth. I will second any effort that you desire to make. Miss Susan, you can depend upon me. He received very earnest thanks. No sooner were we outside of his office than my friend said with satisfaction in her voice, That is splendid. Mr. Holland is one of our reformed men, and I am always a little bit worried about him, just for the reason that he is so strong in his own strength. He resents the slightest hint that any place may be dangerous to him, but when it comes to helping others, that is another matter. I was afraid he would have a suspicion that I feared for him. Your temperance work doesn't always admit of the exact truth, does it? I asked, more for the sake of hearing how she would answer than because I was so very dull. She flashed an inquiring glance at me as she replied promptly, It doesn't always admit of telling all you know to everybody any more than most other projects of importance do. But if you think I did not tell the exact truth to Mr. Holland, you mistake. Some of those young men are much weaker than he is, and they need his help. That is not saying that he, too, is not in need of help. Yet, since to say that is going to hinder rather than help him, why should I say it? We were passing Mrs. Chester's elegant mansion as she spoke, and that suggested to me a change of subject. I wonder that you are not engaged to Mrs. Chester this evening. She has a reception, you know. Yes, um, but I'm never engaged to Mrs. Chester nowadays, and I do what I can to prevent other people from being. I dread her influence over a certain class more than I do that of any rumseller among them. Why, pray? Because she is more dangerous. Besides, it is an embarrassing place to visit. Would you like to take tea, for instance, with a person who was in the habit of decorating her table with a dozen different dishes, which you from conscientious scruples would have to refuse? I really think that woman is more talented in her line than any one I know. She would do for a walking cookbook. Jellies of all flavors, peaches, pears, sauces, pies, cake, even innocent-looking custards, are dangerous articles to touch from her table. I really didn't know it was possible to serve up Satan's favorite mixture in so many ways until I knew Mrs. Chester. 
I think she must spend her time in planning new dishes that she can make into elegant little traps for catching the unwary. She has done what she could towards ruining the young men of our city, and it just enrages me to think how powerless she would be if the young ladies of her set would take the position on this subject that one has a right to expect of them. But we are improving. One by one, they drop out of her circle. There are several now whom she invites in vain, and she knows the reason why. How late it is! Did you imagine it? This matter has taken more time than I thought it would, but we have things in train now. I believe we can go down to Roberts's and have a look at the new pictures, if you would like. To this plan I eagerly agreed, but as we were turning the corner, a hurried gentleman ran against us, and his hasty, I beg your pardon, instantly changed into, Oh, Miss Susan, I am glad it is you. We need you. There is trouble ahead. What trouble? Our boys at the school, twenty of them, are to be invited to a gathering this evening at Turner's, an impromptu affair, all the merrier they will think, a moonlight ride and all that sort of thing. There will be plenty of wine. Several of our evening school boys vote for the first time in the coming election. It is important, you see, to pay them some attention. You don't have school tomorrow evening? No, I thought it was going to be specially inconvenient but if I could have foreseen such a thing as this, I should have tried to push the school without regard to convenience. I heard of this just now by accident. The boys are to be invited as a school in order to catch them all. Is there anything that we can do at this late hour? Miss Susan thought, looked at her watch, and was silent for the space of a minute, then said briskly, Why, yes, of course. The boys need entertainment, do they? I don't know but that is a good idea, but it becomes us to see that they have it in a less objectionable way. I'll give a party, Mr. Stewart. Will you give the invitations for me, at once? Tell each boy that he is to invite the young lady with whom he would like best to spend the evening to accompany him. When? asked Mr. Stewart, surprise and admiration struggling together on his face. Why, this evening, to be sure and you must hasten to be ahead of the others. And, Mr. Stewart, will you, after you have delivered the invitations, see Frank Holden, and tell him we want his help at once? Tell him to come to my home, please. Where are we? Oh, yes, there is the confectioner's that I want, right across the street. Oh, we'll have a charming party. You may come, Mr. Stewart, for a little while. Not long, you know." We don't want any dignity or propriety this evening. I'm very sorry, she added, turning to me, but I'm afraid we shall have to give up the art gallery today, for you see we must hurry home and get ready for a party. Mr. Stewart, when it is convenient, you may thank those people down at Turner's for their prospective entertainment. It has given me a new idea." It is not the first time I have thought that Satan's adversaries have some very good plans. Mr. Stewart looked after her as she made a sudden dash towards the confectioner's, and as I lingered to have a word with him on my own account, he said, That girl is worth forty-five temperance lectures and a dozen temperance conventions. Now for home, Miss Susan said, 
as she turned with a satisfied air from the elegant counter where she had been giving royal orders for an evening entertainment i had been musing while i watched her and now giving voice to my thoughts i said after all there are very few people who can do these things they haven't the money i know it she said quickly the money is father's part he has the money and i have the time so we combine our forces he earns the money and i spend it but don't you know there are a hundred ways of working some people can give temperance lectures and some can write temperance books and some can employ men who are trying to reform and some people can open their homes for the entertainment of tempted young men and some people can make their kitchens neat and sweet for the help of the tempted husband or son and some can study how to make the mince pies rich and juicy and delightful without the aid of a drop of brandy oh there are so many ways ways that don't need money at all in point of fact my friend do you realize that this last venture of mine takes the first cent of money which i have spent for the cause to-day and as for parties other people give them temperance people too the question is why don't they consecrate them it doesn't seem to me that it is money or time or strength or talent that is lacking it is the consecrated heart a heart that is given first to christ and secondly to his work whatever form it may take or whatever may be the door that opens do with thy might whatsoever thy hand findeth to do is our commission you know and in order to find things we have to work for them people talk sometimes about ambition as if it were a wicked thing i think it is a misdirected ambition which causes trouble don't you by this time we had reached her father's house and as she ascended the steps she turned to me with her whole face aglow with feeling i declare to you she said that i have an all-absorbing a consuming ambition it is to have the king put his hand on mine and say well done good and faithful servant i want to be a good servant i shall not be content without the commendation promised to those who faithfully serve my ambition craves it now we must go to work i mean that those boys shall have the nicest time to-night that they ever had in their lives you are to help my friend you are to make some perfectly exquisite bouquets do you suppose many people who have flowers realize their refining influence on young men i wonder if people realize that they can arrange flowers in such a manner as to glorify the lord of the garden such remembrances make glowing work of life i think who sweeps a room as for thy law makes that and the action fine you know i am glad the grand old author said that and yet an older and grander author said it better whosoever giveth a cup of cold water you know and then he intensified it with his wonderful inasmuch don't you love that word inasmuch as ye did it unto the least of these my brethren ye did it unto me think of that i tell you i must have that reward does anybody doubt but that she will one day hear the grand voice say well done good and faithful servant thou hast been faithful over a few things i will make thee ruler over many things 
enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. End of section 10. End of Miss Priscilla Hunter and My Daughter Susan by Pansy.